Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Attention collectors of vinyl. Have you ever gone into a record store and felt overwhelmed by all the unfamiliar options? Are you frustrated by the constantly increasing prices of classic rock staples, do you avoid streaming music or long for the days when music was recommended to you by a friend instead of an algorithm? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, then check out I'd Buy That for a Dollar, a podcast about inexpensive, common, and underappreciated records that are waiting to be rediscovered. Each week, hosts Sean, Jeremy, and Peter discuss an album and the artist's history. Previous episodes include selections by the Isley Brothers, the Carpenters, the Doobie Brothers, and Donna Summer, among others. Become a bargain bin pro and impress all your friends with cool music trivia. Listen to I'd Buy That for a dollar wherever you get your podcasts. Creative Control with Beach Comic. On this episode, a candid conversation with Ephraim Manuk of the Silver Mount Zion Memorial Orchestra and Godspeed You Black Emperor, as well as the co-owner of the Hotel Tatango Recording Studio based in Montreal. Ephraim's on the show ostensibly to discuss the new Silver Mount Zion album, Fuck Off, Get Free, We Pour Light on Everything, which is out January 21st in North America via Constellation Records. And uh, we get right into the album, many facets of it. Uh, which in turn leads us to a discussion of uh, Ephraim's state of mind, his perspective on a life as a parent, as a person, as a, as a worker, as a musician, as an artist. Uh, it's, as I say, a frank conversation. Uh, we also get into uh, Godspeed's victory at the uh, Polaris Music Prize, an un- unexpected, potentially unwanted uh, accolade that they received. They won this award and haven't really spoken much about it since issuing a press release uh, uh, when they won And so it, it was great to get his insights about that You're going to hear a new Silver Mount Zion song Called Austerity Blues On this episode, very exciting Always a pleasure to speak with Ephraim I hope you enjoy this one, I sure did Here we go Hey, this week's episode is brought to you by Pizza Trocadero. For my money, the best pizza you can eat in Guelph, Ontario. A proud, independent family business run by a punk rocker, Trocadero only uses a rich array of fresh ingredients cut by hand and homemade dough made daily, all baked to perfection inside of a stone oven. It's gourmet panzerotti, calzones, wings, salads, garlic bread, breadsticks, and oh man, the pizza, the pizza, personally... I like the gourmet Domateo with goat cheese, artichoke, roasted red pepper, mushrooms. I sub out the turkey breast for eggplant, but that's just me. Wash the whole thing down with a brio. Man, I am getting hungry just talking about this. Call Pizza Trocadero at 519-829-2444. Visit them at 7 Municipal Street in Guelph and online at trocaderoguelph.ca. T-R-O-K-A-D-E-R-O. G-U-E-L-P-H dot C-A That's Pizza Trocadero A place of the good trade
live on an island called Montreal, and we and we make a lot of noise because we love each other. Ephraim Manuk is a founding member of Godspeed You Black Emperor, the Silvermount Zion Memorial Orchestra, and the esteemed Hotel Tatango Recording Studio in Montreal. Manuk has led a very prolific artistic life. This past fall, Godspeed won the Polaris Music Prize for their album Alleluia, Don't Bend, Ascend, and on January 21st, a new Silvermount Zion LP greets the world. It's called Fuck Off, Get Free, We Pour Light on Everything, and is available via Constellation Records. Here now to discuss this further is Ephraim Anuk. Uh, hi, Ephraim. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I'm having a bit of a tough day technologically, but otherwise I'm fine. It's very cold. Are you okay? It's very cold here, too. Yeah, it's it's dreadfully cold. I walked 45 minutes to talk to you, to a, to, to a studio. Well, that's heart healthy. That's good. I know. I was thinking it was good for me. I've spent most of my day just sitting around, you know, and, and this was good. It felt good. Yeah, so you're, you're, bunk- you're hunkering down. You're okay? I'm okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm tired of winter. I'm tired of tired of winter. Yeah, but other than that, I'm okay. Couldn't you, as someone in a who plays music for a living, couldn't you engineer it so that you could always be away somewhere nice when it's really cold in Canada? We had a good run like that for for quite a few years, and then at some point, everything got topsy turvy, and we can't seem to get it back the right way. You know, <laughs> but we used to miss winter all the time. I think I had five straight years where I didn't have to deal with Canadian winter. Oh man, that's brilliant! I wish I, I wish uh, that seems odd that you couldn't do it this time. You got uh, it seems like you've been very active lately. You, you, I think you could just go now if you wanted. Yeah, no, it just it's it's. I mean, we're leaving in February, so we'll miss we'll miss a big chunk of winter you know okay well that's good that's good it's it's good to plan i'm I'm a bit of a planner i'm trying to help you yeah yeah i appreciate it <laughs> now the song i want to ask you there's a few things i want to ask you about obviously about this record now the song rains through the roof at the grand ballroom is dedicated to capital steez who was a who was a young rapper from new york who committed suicide on christmas eve in 2012 why did you dedicate this song to him what did he mean to you um i mean it's just a terrible story and a terrible ending to a young life, you know? Um, but the song itself is just about the idea of musicians dying young, period, you know? And there's so many uh, sort of sad endings in, in this game, you know? Um, and so it could have been dedicated to a whole shit ton of people, but uh, Capital Steeds was the most, uh, like, immediate example, you know? Um so yeah, it's 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 that simple. You were you were a big fan of his music? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he was great. Hmm. I I didn't I mean, why would I know this? I I didn't know uh, I'm sure you listened to all sorts of things. Are, are you fans of hip are you a fan of hip hop generally or was his music in particular something that resonated with you? No, I'm like yeah, I think I'm like a like a bit of a dilettante when it comes to hip hop, but I I do love hip hop, you know. I I couldn't I wouldn't uh, I'm not going to front that like I'm a total head or whatever, but but yeah, like since I was a kid, I loved hip hop. You know. Well, it's interesting that you you tried to distance yourself from the culture, yet used a lot of the vernacular just now. Of, like you sounded like a real hip hop fan there for a second. You weren't going to. Well, uh, yeah, well, I am a fan. <laughs> no, that's great. Well, I mean, it's it is a terribly sad story, and there's a lot of early, uh, you know, remorse for early deaths. This is probably a natural impulse to have, but uh, this is something that's really been bothering you lately, and it seems to come through on the record. Um, it's been sort of like a bit of a, like, unhealthy obsession, I think, since my son was born, you know? Um, and at the same time, like you said, I think it's a natural thing to to dwell on as, as you get older, you know? Um, and definitely it's also, I think, like, I've always been aware that there's like, you know, that musicians' lives generally don't end very well, you know? It's like uh, either people manage to get out or they die on the road, you know? Um, And that's just a fact. And and so that's a fact that angers me and also fills me with anxiety and dread, but mostly it angers me. And so I think it's like a, I think it's a good 
site for a particular type of song. Right, know? right. Now, so it's just coming. You're coming from a, it. It had a personal resonance for you. You said something interesting about how, as you get older, you've become a bit more fixated on uh, people who don't last as long. And I, I'm curious. I mean, there's a song on the record called uh, "Take Away These Early Grave Blues." I just mentioned this dedication to Capital Steez. So there is something about, in particular for you as an older guy, as you're getting older, feeling that a younger, life's being, younger lives being extinguished is particularly uh, troubling to you. Is, that, is there some correlation there between you getting older and lamenting the loss of people who didn't make it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, again, it's, I'm a super boring dude, but like having a kid definitely also informs all of that, you know, like, um, so yeah, it's getting older and having a kid and, and I don't know, you know, like there's a way that when you're younger, it's hard to respect death because you're young, you know, like it's easy to, easy to be glib about it. Mm-hmm. It's hard to have an, a sort of emotional, I'm generalizing. I think there are tons of people <laughs> who are young who, who have way intimate knowledge of death, you know, I'm, so I'm generalizing, of course. Actually, maybe I should speak for myself. When I was younger, it was hard for me to to uh, to feel any relationship towards death or dying. I mean, it, it was just something that that seemed like it would never happen, or it, or it happened to people that I didn't know. And even when friends of mine died young, it was upsetting. But it was somehow like the the vastness of that fact was just too big to to comprehend, you know. And yeah. there's something about getting getting older where you you, you start to. Um, like death becomes like a, a a sort of like an intimately familiar neighbor, you know. How, how old is your son right now? He's four and a half. Four and a half, and my my boy is two and a half, and it, I, I'm going through the same thing. It sounds like you're going through where you and when you have a child and you start raising a child, you start to kind of relive life a little bit. I mean, I, I, that sounds. I don't want to put too much pressure on our kids. But in a weird sense, you're going back to a time, you, you, you know, you're going back to a time you can't even remember. But it sounds to me like you're recapturing, the, a kind, you've recaptured anyway, a kind, of, a kind of innocence through having a child. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. When you have a child, you, really, you, you get a different perspective on the world. And it's a weirdly uh, retroactive but contemporary perspective, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely true, because it's like, uh, you know, like, it's, you you sort of, you forget all that stuff, you know, like, the, 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 sort of like, the emotional landscape that we all inhabit when we're kids is, like, so vast and intense, and I think adolescence sort of wipes a lot of those memories away, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it, it, somehow, like, having a kid, it's, spending so much time hanging out with a kid it's it brings all this stuff back you know yeah absolutely yeah totally it's it's a weird thing i want to get i want to get back to the kids in a, in a moment but i also want to get back to the record one of the things that intrigues me about the new mount zion record is these samples of people's voices that are interspersed throughout the album can you talk about who these people are and what it was about their statements that made sense for this record yeah i mean it was like well it started the i mean the wrench to the roof song that we we're just talking about because that song is partially about the Grandi Ballroom, which was a, a venue in Detroit um, where the MC5 played a, a ton, and it's just in ruins now. Um, so the tune is partly about that space and, and partly about the MC5. And so I'd somehow, just by poking around the Internet, I found this strange interview with Fred Sonic Smith from the MC5. Um, I guess they were being interviewed in France, so there's there's like this crazy voiceover in French. Um, uh, so it started with that. It was like, okay, let's that's a cool clip. Let's put that before the song. That'll be nice. And then also poking around, I found uh, an interview clip with Polystyrene um, from X-Ray Specs, and, who also died young recently. And so, yeah, it sort of became these little signposts, you know, because uh, the record weirdly is, <laughs> you said it already, but a lot of it's about dying young, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, and it, now, uh, and fr- from my perspective, and I could be completely off about this, the first voice on the record is that of a young boy, and in my mind, it, it's probably your son, is it? 
Yes. Right. And he's talking about familial love, basically, and living in Montreal. Yeah. So you've got your son's voice uh, and then these uh, people who have passed away. Yeah. It's a little dark. It's a little morbid. And I can see now, now that you've talked about it a little more, I can. I, I don't know, I, I, I just wish you well. I hope you're not going to be obsessed with this for, for too long. Is, is this, no, <laughs> I don't think, again, I don't think it's an unhealthy thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I don't, I don't want to overstate it. It's not like... Uh, uh, like, uh, you know, there's, there's a clinical term for it, but you know, like, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I'm suffering from a sort of profound neurosis or anything, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, you know, like if, if I, if I didn't think that these were good songs, good things for a band to write songs about, then, then, uh, then we wouldn't be doing it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so it's like, yeah, it's, yeah. I feel like it's a fruitful site more than anything. No, it's very provocative. It's obviously raised a lot of questions for me. What, what did the MC5 and X-Ray Specs mean to you? Oh, what do they mean? I, they're just uh, two of my favorite bands of, of all time. I mean, in two different ways, you know? Um, and, and, you know, like there's this... This is cliche, you know, with musicians and dying young and everything. Like people say, oh, it's a cautionary tale, you know, like people say that. And so there are all these fucking cautionary tales out there. But then at the same time, there are these tales that, that aren't cautionary at all. They're just things that happen when you um, are living a life where you have to scrapple to get by. You know what I mean? When yeah. you're leading a stressful life. Um, and so that's not just musicians. That's most of us in this world, you know? Um, most of us who aren't fortunate enough to be uh, born into wealth or, you know, uh, fall into wealth. So, you know, this is, this is, this is how most of us live in the world, you know? Um, so, yeah. So both... Polystyrene, I mean, both Polystyrene and, and Fred Sonic Smith, I mean, Rob Tyner, too. I mean, these are all people who died young, not because of, uh, you know, like, excess. They they died young because they had hard lives, you know? Mm-hmm. You, you know, you're one of the few people, I, I speak to a lot of people about their music and their work, and, and you seem to be someone that is hyper self-aware of the work you do. The, the, the fact that you are working and you seem to you bring that up a lot it, it seems to even come up in your music sometimes why do you suppose you're you're so fixated on that because some people aren't as as some some artists aren't and some artists are but you in particular I, i'm just curious about why that might be well i think it start you know like it starts out as it, it comes the beginning of it is coming from a place where it's like not wanting to engage at all in any sort of form of like stardom you know or like specialness do you, you know like uh, i have like very little patience for people who in interviews you know like talk about how they just want to write songs that can reach as many people as possible and and uh you know this is their art and that sort of stuff i just it really makes me impatient and really bores me um so it all starts with that it's like just looking at music as labor like it's not it's not some special gift from from God, you know, that that, uh, that we've been put on this earth to share with all the uh, peoples of the world, you know. No, it's work. It's like it's it's people in a room together working their asses off. It's people in a van together driving their asses off, you know. Like it's labor. So I think it all begins with that, which is just punk rock to me. Um, well, and it's very anti-rock star. I mean, it couldn't be more the antithesis of what rock stardom is supposed to be about. Yeah. Well, yes. Well, I mean, what's, like we try, but but so you know, so if that's your starting point, then and if you if you're looking at what you do as labor, then like all other labor in the world, there are, there are issues that that surround labor that uh, that I feel like are important to talk about. So so. So as a band, we try to talk about that stuff honestly and plainly. It's yeah. not like our fixation. It's not like, you know, I read this interview with David Thomas the from Per Ubu recently, mm-hmm. and he's hardcore with that stuff, you know? Like, it's just like, it is It is just work, you know? When he's saying, like, when he's on tour, 
he doesn't do anything. He sits and he waits and then he plays a show and then he gets paid and then he sits and he waits some more, you know? Right. And I have, I, have, I have respect for David Thomas. I'm not putting him down at all, you know, but that we're not that fixated on it. Do you know what I mean? It's sure. like, it's not, we, we're not humorless about it, but you know, the, the, we see ourselves as working within a tradition and we see what we do with labor. We see it as work, you know? So, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and, and you and I have spoken before about the band's sense of humor and how it's rarely received by people who, particularly those who haven't seen Silver Mountain Zion live. Um, do you feel like there's any, for lack of a better term, comedy on this new album? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think the title of the record is funny as shit, you know? I don't, I mean, it's like... Did you enjoy that I, as a, as a, as a podcaster, a broadcaster, just, I, I enjoyed saying it. I enjoyed saying it in my introduction. That's great. I, it's weirdly, I'm like, I swear like a sailor, but I, I'm a bit of a prude too, you know? So it's like, <laughs> so I get horrified now when you hear people have to say the record title. I feel bad that I'm making people swear, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. That's so it's the... actually the, the opposite. But you, I mean, it's like, I don't know, it's like it, it, as individuals within this band, we sort of share like a dry humor. Um, and... Yeah, so there's a lot of stuff that's funny to us, although a lot of it is like gallows humor, you know, so it's maybe not so funny. Yeah, like in our previous conversations, and and I, I think people, if they study the artwork and, and hear you in interviews and see the band live, they'll see that there's a great sense of humor here. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I think so, you know. <laughs> I mean, there's this, like, in the other band, in the Godspeed band, there was this, you know, big hubbub not a big, sorry, that's overstating it. There were people who were seriously irritated by the fact that we moved the exclamation point, you know? And, and <laughs> for us as a band, it was like, we got the, ex- we, you know, we had taken the band name from this movie and we'd gotten the exclamation point position wrong. And then we we're joking around and we we're like, oh, we should put the exclamation point where it should be. And we thought that was the funniest thing in the world, <laughs> not in a, like, being an asshole way, like, oh, we're going to make people change the way they write the band and we just thought it was funny like a, like what a ridiculous situation that we had put the exclamation point in the wrong place and then like 10 years later we decide we're going to put it where it should have been in the first place i mean it's stuff like that i it's like i get it it doesn't translate it just i'm bringing that up because that's an example i feel where people you know could think that we're pompous and it's actually coming from really the opposite place yeah i mean the the band this band's name itself has taken on different iterations and for different reasons but i mean typographically it's funny yeah and and sometimes people don't get it they the pompous thing seems to rankle it rankles people and i don't get it i never i never understand why can you uh, this is a question uh, i'm 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 curious about who or what makes you laugh oh geez I i mean first and foremost like the the other people in this band, you know, like I can't, there's something, I think it happens with a lot of bands or at least bands with a sense of humor. You spend so much time together in so many like great situations and terrible situations and often great situations following right on the heels of terrible situations. There's some like sort of shorthand joking that happens in our band. That's just the most I I laugh in life, you know, and, and, and it's part of, I mean, I have such a deep and profound love for the people I play music with. And part of the, part of that love comes from just like, I can't believe how quick and funny the, 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 the people I play music with are, you know, is there someone that I can, I can fully understand that too. I mean, you, you, it does seem to the dynamic within the band, whenever I've witnessed, it does seem to that what you're saying totally comes across, but is there anyone kind of culturally external to the band, maybe someone in the culture that, that uh, you would you would cite as someone who makes you laugh as like maybe a comic hero or anything. No, like that? I mean like there's nothing. I mean nothing too interesting, you know. Like it's weird, like stand up and all that kind of stuff. Like I always, it's like I'm there and I think it's funny, and then at some point, because like the trope of stand up is you have to be dealing in in these huge generalities and and making jokes at the widest section of people is going to laugh at some point it, it just always turns into stereotype stuff and then i get really bored you know yeah so i'm trying to think of like who's funny and culture i mean i don't know like i have really pedestrian taste so no that's fine you you mentioned you have a dryness and sometimes i get uh, told i have a dryness and i 
if someone were to prod, I'd say, well, yeah, it probably comes from these these people. You know, like these are people. I comes w- from what? I would say it would maybe come from these kinds of people that I watched on TV or these oh, influences. Oh yeah, right. So I'm. I mean, there's, I don't want to get too much into I, like Canadianness and all that too, but there is like Canadian or Anglo-Canadian humor. You know, sort of skews towards the dry. You yeah, know? yeah, that's true. Yeah. So you know, it's like it's. It's. I think. It, I think there is like a, a cultural aspect there. You know. I never you know considered. I mean? Yeah, I hadn't considered that. That's that's likely true. Okay. Well, I was just curious. I was just curious. Uh, the song. Yeah. The song on the record. The little ones run. Uh, this yeah. one. This one sticks out to me as a fan of Silver Mount Zion. It feels like a, a, a quite an anomaly in a lot of ways. How did this song come about? Um, well, Jessica and Sophie wrote that song together i i wrote the words and they wrote the, they came up with the melody and the chords and then so we hadn't played it as, when we went into the studio we hadn't played it at, at all we and uh and so we figured out that we would try to do it with like plucking the strings of a piano yeah. instead of playing it and and so yeah, that's how it came together. It, it was it was a really quick process. Um, yeah, and I think I think it turned out good. And does Terry Terry sings on it, right? No, no, on that song. Yeah, no, no, he doesn't. Okay, there's a voice that I didn't recognize, a male voice, and I wasn't sure whose it was. Towards the end of the at the like near the end of the song. Yeah. Oh, that's me. Really? Huh? Okay. Yeah. It just didn't. It sounded. It, it's recorded in such a way that your the voices are almost a, they're quite faint. Right. Yeah. No. That's true. That's true. Okay. And it, is it a? It's. It sounds like it may be a, a, a new kind of lullaby. Yeah, I think it's. It does sound like a a, a lullab, lullaby, and the, the words are sort of kind of like lullaby words. You know, I don't know. I was like, like yeah, often like when you get. It's always a point before you go into the studio where you look at you know you write down the songs with the songs that you're going to try recording. And at some point you realize, Oh, maybe we need a little bit of this, you know? And so for this record, the little bit of this is we realized we needed a little bit of quiet in there. You mm. know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the lullaby aspect I find fascinating because as we were discussing earlier about parenting, uh, it can make people feel a whole lot of ways. And for me, it's filled me with a lot of hope and joy, but it's also heightened my cynicism of, of the world outside of my home. I'm kind of feeling like protective. And I'm curious. Yeah. I'm curious. How has parent How has parenting impacted your perspective as an artist? We talked about this earlier, but I mean, at the I guess my main question here is what What do you suppose gives you hope as both a parent and an artist? Oh man, I don't know. I'm, it's like I still stubbornly believe in the goodness of people and that that things have, are going to change because they have to change. You know, it's like, and for sure that's because what else can you believe? And the the, the other option is just so horrifying that you have to believe and yeah I and mean, it's like having a kid is a heavy thing you yeah. know and because on one hand you spend so much of your day in this sort of like sacred little innocent place you know and but then if you look outside <laughs> that little sacred place it's just a night like you know i the world is a nightmare man you know yeah. so so I don't know, you know, like I don't, I don't have any answers about about anything. All I, all you can do is believe in people, you know. Right, and some of them clearly let you down, and some of them hold you up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like rage is a good source of hope too. I gotta say, you know, like and and, and definitely like as a get older like the the rage sort of becomes more focused you know like there and there are just people in this world who are like so deserve that rage you know and and i don't know it's just so it's the it's those two things combined you okay know? yeah no that's fair you, you mentioned a lot about uh rather you discussed a lot about how you were kind of going into the studio with some things planned some things not and it, it it brings to mind the fact that you actually worked with a fellow named Greg Norman here. Yeah. Uh, how did this relationship with Greg come about? Greg is, uh, as far as I know, a Chicago-based audio engineer, right? Yeah, he's. Uh, we've known him for a bunch of years. Um, well, it's because 
he's uh, like me. There's a bunch of us who own this recording studio in Montreal, and um, uh, electrical engineers we're not. So they're sort of big fix-it jobs that uh, that you know about once every couple of years we fly Greg in and and uh, and get him to help us fix stuff, you know? So it's like, that's how we met him and he's become a friend. And, and so way before we started recording this record, we decided that we wanted to record the record, not in Montreal, like away from our homes. So, and that we wanted to bring in an outside engineer. And so we thought of Greg almost immediately and, uh, and we asked him and, and luckily he said, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. He was a he was a he was a hero. Yeah, in my limited uh, interactions with Greg, he's a really swell guy, and that's that's all. I mean, I can see why you'd want to work with him. But uh, why did you want to be out of Montreal? And and just so people understand, you wanted to be out of Montreal, but you ended up uh, you were still in Quebec. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, still in Quebec. No, we just wanted to be out the city, out of the city itself, because. Um, I don't, I, in the past, we've always recorded in our studio, you know, and it just gets really easy to get distracted, you know, yeah. and um, we just, I, it's like we just wanted to get a, away from that, you know, like we just wanted to be in the middle of nowhere and work, you know, so, so through Sophie's sister, we found this studio that was still in the middle of being built in the eastern townships but it it wasn't quite finished it was in this very strange sort of modern mansion like it looked like uh like uh, a vision of what the future was going to be circa 1966 you know yeah yeah, yeah. like uh (laughs) like a white cube sort of there was like a conversation pit in the basement and so it it was like Immediately, as soon as we walked in, I was like, yeah, this is going to be great. Let's record here. So it's, we brought in our own gear and our own board and our own engineer. And uh, the living room of this mansion is where we track the record. And, and yeah, it was like long days, but sort of long, lovely days, you know? Yeah, no, it sounds good. It sounds like you had a little vacation from your daily life. Yeah, it was definitely, it was good to get out of the the city yeah know? yeah greg uh, greg works at electrical audio in chicago yeah. primarily and this brings a question i've always wanted to ask you about this and i wasn't sure if i'd ever do it on the record or not but are you are you a particular fan of the band shellac of uh, the band shellac yes i, I mean i i uh, yeah it's like I, I love shellac i mean yeah i love shellac i'll say that uh, it on a back i think they're they're a great band okay the reason I wanted to bring it up is because a few years ago I saw Silver Mount Zion, and, and you you led the audience in Q&A, a Q&A yeah. session. And I always think of that as a shellac thing. I know it seems so ridiculous, but every time I've seen shellac, I've been seeing shellac for 14 years, and every time I get to see them, when something goes wrong, when someone needs to tune something, there's an audience Q&A, and it's always a real highlight. It's a funny thing. And then you were, you've been doing that. Uh, do you still do that? Um, I mean, when, it, when it's called for. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You know, it's like... It's just a way to fill dead air, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. But did you did you did you lift that idea from them? Can you come clean, or did, was it totally out of nowhere? No, I, I, it's it's. I think different people coming to the same conclusion. You know? <laughs> um, by the time I witnessed that, I mean, like, I've, by the time I saw Shellac doing that, Mount Zion had already. I'd already been doing that from the stage with oh, Mount okay. Zion, okay. you know. <laughs> and so I was horrified at first, but their thing is like, more, it is like a comedy bit, you know. It's like. It's uh, the three times I've seen Shellac. I mean, it's like there's nothing anyone can say that's not going to get made fun of. You know? Yeah. You know what I mean? You're actually so it is, you're you're trying to like yeah. I see. I see your point. You're actually engaging people and and trying to answer some questions. But if that's what people do, you know, I mean, it's nice when people ask real questions. A lot of the time, it's just drunk assholes. But <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know. It's like. I'm on it's really good too. I mean, you know, we play some joints on a Tuesday night, this like tiny crowd, middle of nowhere. I mean that that's where it's really good. We played this weird show in Pomona a couple of years ago, like California, like, you know, California suburbs, right? And it's like I don't know, like eighty kids there, you know? Uh-huh. And the it was like w- there was more talking than playing. It felt like, you know, all of a sudden it felt like we were like uh church organizers or something, you know what I mean? Sure. It was, but it was awesome. It was great, you know? Like, we had to cut a couple of tunes out of the set because there was so much talking. But, but uh, yeah, you know, like, sometimes when the talking's earnest, it's great, you know? No, that's cool. And, I'm, and you know, I'm sorry to have uh, colored it with the shellac brush, but it also sprung to mind because there's a part in the song Austerity Blues, like an extended instrumental part, that also reminds me of a shellac song called Ghosts. I don't know if you know that one, but... Anyway, oh, okay. there's like just a, you know, I'm a huge fan of both them and you. So it's like my, you know what it was for me? It was like my worlds were coming together. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, I mean, Shellac are great. Okay. It's, it's uh, yeah, Shellac are great. Okay, cool. Now, it's been a few months since uh, Godspeed won the Polaris Music Prize. Uh, what's your what's your perspective on winning and the band's uh, response? Because it got, uh, it was a bit controversial. I mean, I feel like the as a band, we said everything we had to say, honestly, you know, like, um, like the only thing I had to add to it is like how much dread we expect, like, it was the strangest thing to, to like go into the day of the award show or whatever, like hoping so much that we would not win, you know, like mm-hmm. it was just, it it wasn't. We just did. It was all. I don't know. It well, was. No, just a second. Why would you not want to win? I mean, you, you. I know because you... we, because we knew that that, like, we knew what we were going to say if we won, and it's it's like, I don't know. You know, it's like always like with Godspeed. It's like the the amount of years there are between like us shooting our mouths off and 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 getting into our arguments. The more years that pass between those arguments, the better for us. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not, it always feels like a losing proposition, you know? (laughs) And, and at the same time, you have to do it. You have to, you have to speak your mind, you know, but I don't know. It's like, contrary to what people might think about us, we're not like argumentative by nature, you know? And, so that Polaris thing for us sort of felt like being at someone's parents' house for dinner and, and a friend of someone's parents says something inappropriate and then you're like, oh, shit. Now I, now I have to say, hey, what do you mean? You, do you know what I mean? Totally. That's that's kind of what it felt like for us, you know? But as people, and like I'm, I'm, I count myself among these people who are happy you won and actually relish the fact that you were given this platform to say something. And and I think that I mean you're are you aware of how people outside of the band and 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 maybe even the Polaris people reacted to Godspeed winning? Are you aware of that? Well, I mean, I was I felt lucky that I, it, both me and Jessica were in New York playing a show 
uh, as part of another thing when all that went down. So it was, it was super long rehearsals and super long days. So it's like, I know what people told me, you know, but I, I, I definitely didn't go look to see what the reaction, you know okay. what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. No, I know. And it's it, my whole take on it when people were angry was that this was an, an external thing that happened to your band. You know what I mean? Like you didn't ask to be nominated or anything, really. Yeah, I mean the one thing I will say is like it's it's, it's getting into like way too many details, and it's it's and people are right. At some point, people figured out it's like, well, wait, you know, like they could have said they don't want to be nominated, and and the deal was, I mean, the the Polaris Prize works at Polaris to any one who puts on a new record in whatever year, the Polaris committee approaches the record label and says like, would you like to put this, these records up for nomination? Right. Mm -hmm. And, and then the label can say yes or no. So consolation said yes to this before they, they didn't ask Godspeed what Godspeed thought. It's, they just, Oh, this will be a nice thing, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so it was like, it was really late in the game when we realized, oh, shit, you know, like we could have just pulled out. But again, we really, we were convinced that we we're not going to make it onto the short list. When we did make it on the short list, we were convinced that, I, I'm, I'm talking about the band, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I, we were convinced that we weren't going to win this thing, you mm -hmm. know? So it was like, it was really towards the end of the game that we we're like, oh, shit, well, we might. And I guess we need to, <laughs> we need to prepare ourselves for that possibility, you know? Like, yeah. it was, it was. It was a very strange process. So there are people who rightfully are like, oh, they should have, they could have backed out, you know, and that's true. But it's not like we didn't give any of it any thought until three days before the actual award show. Right. You know, right. like it was just, we were in complete denial, you know. I mean, it's, you have to, I'm mean, like, Godspeed's relationship with, with, um, the Canadian music industry, it's like, has been terrible from the beginning, yeah. you know, yeah. like, and had been antagonistic from the beginning. And and so, yeah, it wasn't unreasonable that we were like, we're not going to get this thing. You know, like, why would they give us this thing? I mean, but, it's like, we, we're talking about a band that's still like, it, it, you're talking about a band that's still, like, we said in the press release, but we feel like orphans in our own country, you know? Like, yeah. we don't, like, yeah. we feel fairly invisible here, you know? And and the, and so the, the fact that you weren't present... I mean, I, we, no one could conceive of the band being there for this thing, but it sounds like you actually had scheduling issues anyway. Well, I mean, I did, you know, like I, a couple other people did. I mean, the, we made the decision not to be at the thing, you know, but that... I it, Award shows are hella weird, you know? Yeah. And so... I did, people can be pissed off if they want, you know, like, but why, why the fuck would we go to something that we don't want to be a part of, you know, sure. like it's, it's, I don't know, you know, it's just award shows are to us appalling, you know, so it's like, it's, that's why we didn't go. No, I have, know? I have complete sympathy and I understand where you're coming from. So uh, I, I, and again, this is, it's weird. I feel like there's probably a very long multi-syllable German word for, for, for what I'm about to try to describe, but I don't speak <laughs> German, but uh, <laughs> okay. there's like, there's like, it's, Sometimes in life, you got to speak out about stuff that you don't actually have a super strong opinion about. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's it's like I find award shows viscerally make me upset. You know, like, and but it's not like I give award shows any thought in life. Do you know what I mean? It's just more like if the TV's on and I see one, I'm like, oh, fuck that, that God, it just hurts my brain, you know? Mm -hmm. But I, I hadn't really given it any thought, and as a band, we hadn't given it any thought until we were invited to one, you know? Do you know what I mean? And I, so, I, I do. My my perspective on it was that this whole thing was kind of thrust upon a band that probably wouldn't have anything to do with it otherwise. Um. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's... It's all weird. It's It's a super confusing situation, you know? Uh, yeah. And, uh, and honestly, like we said, what we had to say, and we tried to say it as graciously as we could, you know, and I feel like some people got that and other people just chose not to, uh, not to 
sort of acknowledge that there was an attempt at graciousness there, you know? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, It's totally. not like we were there like, fuck you, man, <laughs> stupid squares, you know? Like, <laughs> I don't know. We try to acknowledge, we try to acknowledge, you know? Do you have any, uh, do you have any knowledge about whether the, the money has gone to the cause that you were hoping it would go to? Well, this is, the, I mean, now we're going to enter the nightmare of, of, of figuring out how to do that. The, the, the prison bureaucracy in Quebec is, I mean, all prison bureaucracies are, are, are uh, by their very nature, like, uh, difficult to deal with. But in Quebec, they're particularly difficult. Um, and so we're like, we've reached out to people to, ideally, we what we would like to do is find someone who's able to make it happen and and make it happen. Do you know what I mean? And so we're going to give ourselves a set amount of time to uh to try to set up this program and if 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 we can't do it then we're going to give the money to i guess elizabeth fry society you know but we're trying to figure it out we're going to try to reach out to uh to uh some people in the states who've done work like this too and see if they have any insight just on how to deal with bureaucracies like that you know yeah i realize that from as i asked you the question that some people listening may not actually know what your intentions are oh right uh, we well, we decided that we would. This Polaris thing comes with a big chunk of money, right? So we decided we would use that money to set up a program um, in Quebec prisons so that prisoners could have access to musical instruments if they wanted them or needed them. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, so, yeah. so we're going to have to do this. We're going to actually have to make this program. That program doesn't exist, so we have to make it. You know, and oh, okay. so that's what we're trying to figure out if that's even feasible, you know, like, oh, okay, okay. um, but we're trying, you know, um, and, and, and as soon as we understand, as soon as we know whether we can do it or not, um, we'll let people know what's happening, you know? Okay. So yeah, no. right now we're still figuring it out. Okay. Well, that sounds like it's been a bit of a headache, this whole thing. Yeah, but it's a good, I think it's a good headache to have, you know, yeah. like yeah. it's work, but. It'll be okay. We've already established that you like working. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, what's coming up next for the band? Uh, you've got the record coming out. Uh, you mentioned that you had have uh, tour dates in February. Is that is that right? Yeah, like Mount Zion, I guess we'll start touring in uh, February. Um, and that's what we'll be doing for the next, you know, half year or whatever, you know. Um, there's We just finished recording... Um, uh, like a record store day, twelve inch. Oh, and so I guess that'll be coming out on record store day. And yeah, I don't know, just uh, just working. Okay, and will that be out on? I know that you have your own Mount Zion has kind of its own imprint, right? Well, yeah. I mean, yes. We put out a a double tour seven inch uh, a year and a half ago, um, with with our own imprint. Yeah, but it's not. It's not. It's not like a real label, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this record store day, twelve inch, will be out. It's through Constellation. Okay. It's, yeah. All right. Cool. And that, that these are, uh, are the, you say you recorded them? Was it from the same sessions that uh, yielded this new album, or is it? Totally... No, no. We re- we recorded it over the holidays. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So there's uh, there's there's more music coming. That's great. Yeah. And and, and... then I'd say there's also. Uh, Somewhere in the probably in the springtime, there's another sort of like long EP that that uh, that we just finished recording. I mean, we've actually been writing a lot of stuff, so um, there will be some sort of EP coming out in the spring as well. I think. Okay, I mentioned at the top of this conversation that you've been very prolific. I mean, you had a solo record out. Godspeed's been busy. Uh, Mount Zion's busy now. Uh, there's no end in sight for this. You, you you anticipate a break at any point? Uh, I would like to, you know, um, but uh, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know when that's going to happen. Um, you know, it's like you get a little bit of time off between the tours, you know? Yeah. Um, and I guess too much work is a good problem to have, you know? Yeah, do you, and, do you uh, get restless between tours? Um, I, no, I get the thing that... I get the thing that when I first come home, I feel like I can't function in the human world, you know, <laughs> and then uh, gradually that falls away, and then I start to really enjoy 
being at home, you know? Nice. And then inevitably, by the time I reach that level of comfort, then I have to leave again, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but no, I don't get restless. Um, I don't get restless, no. No, okay. Well, good. I'm, you sound like you're in a good you're in a good place, despite the doom and gloom on this record. Uh, I, it's, <laughs> it's a positive record too, though, man. It's very I, positive. It's, I, it's not just doom and gloom, but yeah, I feel I I feel like the band's in a good place. You know, like I I don't know. I feel I feel good about things. Yeah, no, you should. I mean, as a, as I say, as a fan, this record has uh, been it's been quite surprising in a lot of ways, and uh, and comforting in other ways, and it's also been very, as I mentioned, very provocative. It's given me lots of dude. Think. That was. Uh, totally chopped again. I was saying a whole bunch of nice things. Oh, okay. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> Once again, the new Silvermount Zion album is a brilliant one called Fuck Off, Get Free. We pour a light on everything, and it's available via Constellation Records. You can learn more about uh, both the band and the record and their upcoming tour dates at cstrecords.com. Uh, Ephraim, if we could, could we go to a song right now from the record for people to hear? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know how much time you have, but, uh, but I think Austerity Blues is, I think that's, uh, I really like that song. Okay, we have all the time in the world. We can do whatever we want. Oh yeah, play that four times in a row. Okay. (laughs) Austerity Blues here by, uh, the Silvermount Zion. Uh, Ephraim, always a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for your time. Yeah, yeah, uh, see, see you later, man.
Hey, thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.